This is an NC Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. Welcome to the NC Baptist Podcast, the podcast designed to engage with ministry leaders around topics that will explore approaches and resources to help us be on mission together. It's because of your generosity that this resource is available. Learn more at ncbaptist.org slash give or contact us at communications at ncbaptist.org. Thanks for tuning in to the NC Baptist podcast today. I am Kenny Lamb, Worship Ministry Strategist with North Carolina Baptist. This is part two of a two-part series of a conversation with David Manor. If you missed the first one, just visit ncbaptist.org slash podcast and check it out. Well, David, we're looking forward to having you as our keynote speaker at this year's Renewing Worship Expo on September the 30th. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about being there, too, because I think that's a great reminder that we're not in this alone. Yeah, that's going to be a good day for lots of teams. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, just want to let you know I've got three fun, rapid quicks to ask you at the end. So listeners, stay tuned for that. David, be concerned. Yeah, I'm yes. scared about that because I don't know what those <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's get back to digging into some worship topics related to church health. Um, David, I have church leaders often mention to me that it seems like it has been harder to enlist volunteers in the worship ministry as many churches have gotten smaller over the last few years. So how do we encourage volunteers while still holding them accountable to worship leading excellence? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because uh, especially post-COVID, it's been even harder as churches have gotten smaller. Yeah. We're, we're having to do even more with less sometimes uh, on that, too. So I, there's a couple of things I want to land on. I want to I want to land on how we might enlist more, but also how we might keep the ones that we have. And if we how we treat the ones that we have may actually create a culture that wants others to want to be a part of that because of, of the relationship of those people that are that are working together in volunteer roles. So in 1990, the Gallup organization performed a kind of a research study project, and they asked more than a million people, this is related to, to secular jobs, but they asked more than a million people in jobs what the most talented employees need, the most gifted, what they actually need in the workplace. And the result was that initially those talented employees might have joined the organization because of the incentives that were offered to them, but they stayed because of the relationships. They encouraged the organization to ask 12 questions, and I actually adapted those for a worship setting. I'm going to fly through those because I think they're good questions to ask of us, that of the volunteers we have, and then could we create a culture then that makes other volunteers want to be a part of that because of uh, that culture? So first question we need to ask, are, are we even ever asking critical questions, or do we wait until we don't have them anymore, like post-pandemic? Or if we lose a family that moves, you know, most of our players in our worship band, are we asking those questions before we get to that place? So first question is, um, do I know what is expected of me in our worship ministry? Great question for volunteers to ask. That's good. Do I have the materials and equipment I need to do this ministry well? Do I have the opportunity to do what I do best every time I serve? Number four, have I received recognition? This is huge or praise for doing good work in the last seven days. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we, you know, once a quarter we'll say, hey, good job. Mm -hmm. 
Um, number five, does my leader or someone else in our worship ministry seem to really care about me as a person, not just my gifts, but me as a person? Is there someone in the ministry who encourages my development? Number seven, do my opinions seem to count? Uh, number eight, does the mission of our, our worship ministry make me feel like my contribution is important? Are my co-volunteers and leaders committed to quality? Number 10, do I have a close friend in our worship ministry? That's not a question we often ask. Number 11, in the last six months, has someone in the ministry talked to me about my progress? This comes back to that, the idea that if they're volunteers, we don't want to press them too much or evaluate too much because it might run them off. But they want to know how they're doing. And finally, number 12, uh, during this last year, have I had opportunities in our worship ministry to learn and grow? So is it possible the reason we're having a hard time enlisting new volunteers or maybe retaining uh, existing volunteers is not because of their lack of commitment or even conviction, but maybe something we are or aren't doing as leaders? Hmm. Additionally, too, Kenny, this kind of goes back to the first question because we're trying to do uh, as much as we were doing before, but we have less people and we're trying to figure out what we should be doing in the future. Some of us feel like our, our whole identity is tied up in what we did before with all the choral work and instrumental work and those kind of things. And we're not able to do that. It's like we've lost our identity. But as worship leaders, we could learn a lot from um, MacGyver. If you remember that um, 1980s secret agent MacGyver. If you remember, he was always in, he'd get stuck in a room someplace, locked up or handcuffed, and there was explosive all around him. And he'd, he would look around the room and find something that he had on hand to get him out of a situation. He would look around and he would be able to get out of the room and he would you know, save the day because of that. So he solved those complex situations with, with everyday materials or the materials he had on hand. So offering what we have uh, with who we have is not settling for mediocrity, and it's not a license for laziness because we still need to pray for additional players and singers and uh, additional resources for our worship teams, and we want to find more people that can jump in and be a part of that. But like MacGyver, we can't wait till all those people and pieces are in place to begin. We've got to, we've got to start with what we have, and we need to create something unbelievable with what we have on hand. And then continue to pray for more people beyond that. So it doesn't matter how large or small our worship ministry is, uh, we should be developing distinctly and becoming uniquely the worship team that God has called us to be with whom we have where we are. And not always dream about something else. That doesn't mean we shouldn't plan and prepare. But sometimes we we are so thinking about other groups or what it used to be like that we missed the opportunities that we have on hand. So let me, let me offer uh, some quick suggestions for that. So one way that you can invest in them that creates that culture is don't compare them with others. Don't go to a conference and, and come back and say how wonderful the worship team was. I wish you were like that or try to make them that, that they can't possibly uh, be. And then we're disappointed when they don't live up to those expectations. A second one is this is for us as leaders. We need to stop coming to rehearsals unprepared. Some of us are so good that we can shoot from the hip and it's still pretty high level. But that lack of preparation indicates uh, to them that we're either lazy or arrogant. Um, and so both reasons convey that, that my time is more important than your time. Being an artist doesn't give us permission to, to be either one of those, lazy or arrogant. Number three, 
don't treat them like extras or backup singers. If every time they're on the platform, it just seems like they are the undercard to us as the main event. So they're, they're just the backup team there. Number four, stop considering them. Kenny, you wrote about this uh, too in your book. Stop considering them as just ministry volunteers. We should take that language out as just ministry right. volunteers. Because serving as a volunteer is a, a response to a divine invitation from God. That's right. In fact, if, if they're there just because they're volunteers, we have to ask the question, should they be there? It's, it's a divine invitation from God to serve. And since volunteers serve because of, of that calling, then they should never be treated as just volunteers. And then that, that comes back then to that understanding of evaluation. We're evaluating something that's that's deeply spiritual. We have an expectation that we want to evaluate in depth. They expect to be evaluated in that calling. Number five is some of us never affirm them publicly or privately. So we should always uh, correct privately, but affirm both publicly and privately. That's on the platform, in rehearsals, in the hallways. Uh, we need to affirm them like the, the Gallup questions. Number six, sometimes, especially when our, our group is streamlined, we never give them a break. And so we, we wonder why they're worn out and they don't want to stay is because they don't ever get a break. Sometimes they need a Sabbath, as we do as leaders too. So give them a break. And finally, number seven is stop making all decisions for them. If they are uh, called to this too, they need to be a part of decisions that are made on the platforms. Again, that comes back to that. Then they don't feel like the undercard or or that they're the backup singers because of that. So, so ultimately, if if ministry volunteers are not validated in this way in your ministry that you lead, they're going to look for another place either in your church or some other church that will actually allow them to be, be validated in that ministry. So uh, I would encourage all of us then to ask some of those questions. And then when we do, could it create such a healthy culture that people are fighting to be a part of that team because they want that, that relationship that they don't have? It's almost like people today think, well, if we just lower the standards, we can get more volunteers. But I'm hearing you say, you know, raise those standards, promote that excellence, yep. equip them, love them, uh, praise them, yep. and all of those things, and they'll rise to the occasion and, and be dependable in their calling. Absolutely, yeah. And they realize that, you, you know, you're you're not just depending on them for their gifts, but you're depending on them because you have a relationship and you love them. Yes. You want to know about them. Boy, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? That's right. That's, that's great stuff. Well, I want to steer the conversation now to ministry-staff relationships. Yep. You know, it's almost impossible to have healthy worship or even a healthy church at all if the relationship between the pastor and the worship leader isn't healthy. I hear that so often from worship leaders. They're concerned about that relationship with the pastor. What are some suggestions for healthier ministry staff relationships that you could offer, David? Yeah, uh, a few years ago, and I don't remember exactly when it came out, John Maxwell, in one of his books, he was talking about um, pastor or ministry relationships. And he said that over 70% of pastors have no close friends at all, 70%. So how can uh, we as pastors possibly model for our churches what it means to live in community and have healthy relationships when we are personally living in isolation uh, from those relationships? Some of us have had leaders in the past that have said, you can't, you can't get too close to your church members because you've got to have that divide, or you can't get too close to your ministry staff 
lead pastors because those concerns you you can lose respect then or maybe control if you actually get too close to them in that working relationship and that's often professional but it's not very personal i mean jesus had a relationship with his disciples and yet there were times when he also disciplined him peter you know he had to obviously uh, several times uh, get peter off the ledge um and james and john when they wanted to rain down fire and destroy an entire village jesus reprimanded them and disciplined them so having to exercise authority occasionally over over staff as a as a senior pastor doesn't jeopardize the intimacy of those relationships and i think that probably is one of the reasons why um, tenure continues to be shorter in those relationships because most worship leaders, and let me speak to lead pastors right now, most of your worship leaders, lead pastors, long for uh, a culture of transparency and communication and trust and accountability. They don't want that relationship to be guarded or territorial or defensive. They crave that close relationship with you as their lead pastor. But often their job security doesn't allow them to initiate or lack of job security doesn't allow them to initiate that conversation so lead pastors if this is going to occur in most of your churches it has to start with you as we think about we're called to to love god and love our neighbor i think uh, one of your closest neighbors should be that ministry staff with whom you work so actually some of the same principles that i talked about with intergenerational also true of this so again pastor and worship leaders ministry staff you need to constantly pray together. Also pray for each other outside of that. Worship leaders, pray for your pastor, even when he doesn't deserve it, when he's treated you unfairly. Same thing, uh, pastors, if you feel like your, your worship leader is not doing his job, pray for him or her to do that. And so pray for and with each other, play together. I think sometimes if you let your hair down and go out and do something that's relaxing together, that creates that bond that's evident when you get on the platform. Because again, like intergenerational worship, sometimes the only time that you're together as ministry staff is that one hour on Sunday on the platform. And then serve together outside of the regular service too. Again, that's the same kind of thing. Another one that I think we often miss is you need to pastor each other. Because church staff, uh, lead pastors are not immune from the struggles of life like depression, physical health issues, uh, marital issues, wayward children, financial stress, all those kind of things that everybody deals with, we in, in ministry also deal with. So you have to ask the question, if, if you aren't pastoring your pastor, pastor, if you're not pastoring your worship leader, then who is? And senior pastors, even though you're your ministry position usually allows you to have the last word. It doesn't always have to be your word. A couple of years ago, one of the posts I did, I'm not going to read all 20 of these, but I, I did a post of 20 things pastors and worship leaders should say to each other more often. So let me, let me highlight a couple of those. One is I'm, I'm glad we're in this together. We should openly say that to each other. Another one is if, if we don't get along, how can we expect our church members to get along? or I'm not threatened when you get the credit. Again, if we're all in this together, even if it's not uh, my idea, or if I didn't even particularly like it, but it was for the good of the body, then don't be threatened when you don't get the credit. Another one is I've got your back. That means you're going to stand in the gap. And so you don't feel like you're out there on your own, or, or maybe just say, you know, let's, let's go get a cup of coffee. Just hang out. Here's one that I think we miss often. 
I'll take care of that so you can spend time with your family. Hmm. Step in the gap for your pastor or your worship leader, or feel free to disagree, or I trust your leadership, or I'm never too busy to meet with you or spend time with you. And here's one that I think we often miss too. If this is going to threaten our relationship, let's not do it. So I think sometimes we just need to stand in the gap with each other and for each other. And let me let me say one last word for pastors, particularly lead pastors. This is for you. Lead pastor, you, along with your platform worship leader, are the primary worship leaders in your congregation. So if you spend your time uh, on the front row during the song set, studying your sermon notes, you are modeling for the congregation that that what happens before you actually get on the platform is just preparation for you. So if you choose not to sing, I think, you know, some of the congregation are wondering either you're not prepared and you've got to have that last 15 or 20 minutes to prepare, or you don't think what's being done to that point has that much value. Hmm. And so you're conveying, especially to young men, that singing is not that valuable. Uh, so with humility, your worship leaders are are asking, longing, hoping, that you'll lead in full-throated singing so that that your voices and all the voices in the congregation might unite uh, together um, in that communal utterances of praise and worship and thanksgiving and confession and hope and lament and all those, all those things that we want to see accomplished in worship. And when that occurs, I think our unified voice in worship will be so compelling that it can't be silenced. That's, that's powerful. Well, David, our time is about up. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today for the North Carolina Baptist Podcast. It's been a great pleasure and honor to be able to talk with you about a topic both of us are passionate about. I can hardly wait to have you speak more into the lives of North Carolina Baptist worship leaders and upcoming Renewing Worship Expo. Can't wait, Kenny. That's going to be a great time. And I, just looking at the list of other people that are going to be there, I'm excited just to hopefully have a little bit of time in between to sit in on some of the other breakouts and things, too. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Now, as promised, I've got three fun, rapid yeah. questions that you have not seen. All right. Just uh, just give me the first answer that comes to mind. This is, this is nothing to okay. worry about here. Yeah, right. <laughs> when you're being creative and planning a worship service, do you prefer to do that by scribbling on a paper, typing in a document, or using an app like Planning Center when you're just starting to be creative and planning a worship service? Right. I usually just use, I like my laptop and just to kind of throw it all on the page and then at mm-hmm. That wasn't bad, was it? No, that's not bad. Here's, here's number two. When you attend church and have no leadership responsibilities whatsoever, do you prefer sitting near the front, the back, or the middle of the sanctuary for worship? Boy, that is a great question. I prefer sitting at the back and I, uh, I'm guilty of evaluating, so I like to evaluate <laughs> from the back. I, I wish uh, I did. Kind of thought but that was coming. It's hard not to. Yeah, 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 it's hard not to. It's hard to turn that off, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, that's actually a whole uh, breakout on, you know, when you're not the leader, uh, how you should worship. And so I'm guilty. Yeah, I find that the worst, you might say, executed the worship service is the more I get into that evaluation mode. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay, and number three, if I could grant you the ability to play any instrument at pro level, which one of these would you choose? Banjo, hammer dulcimer, or bagpipes? 
Oh man, yeah, yeah. Well, since bagpipes like stepping on a cat, I'm gonna pick uh, <laughs> banjo. Okay, <laughs> I'll take banjo. Yeah, good, good. Well, on your knee. <laughs> well, that's a wrap, folks. Our worship and music ministry team wants to equip churches in renewing their corporate worship so that people will encounter the transforming power of Jesus Christ. We want to be on mission together with our churches. Connect with us at ncbaptist.org slash worship and renewingworshipnc.org and get connected with helpful resources for your worship ministry. You can listen to more NC Baptist podcasts just like this one at ncbaptist.org slash podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. Every year, churches across North Carolina give generously to missions through the North Carolina Missions Offering. NCMO helps support the work of church planters, disaster relief workers, and other ministries. It helps fuel missions efforts that extend across the state and around the world. Your gift to NCMO provides relief for today and hope for tomorrow to those who need it most. Because of your generosity, thousands are able to receive care for their needs and hear the message of the gospel. Give today at givencmo.com. Thank you for joining us today. Because of your generosity to NC Baptist, this podcast, along with other helpful resources, are made available for you. Learn more by visiting ncbaptist.org slash give.